Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we talk with people around the world who can help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor, certified eating disorder specialist, and advanced clinical hypnotherapist. Calming the Chaos Podcast is for those who want self-help resources and education. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now, let the chaos begin. In this episode of Calming the Chaos, I am going to continue to talk about the debacle in court with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. But first, I would like to remind everybody that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so the focus of this podcast is going to be on mental health awareness, but also being able to focus on what we're being exposed to, possibly saturated with in terms of the media, in terms of court, in terms of domestic violence, in terms of violence, IPV, what they call intimate partner violence. Uh, And so here's a brief rundown of how I'm going to approach this. So uh, first, I'm going to give a brief impression of the mental health issues I saw in court this week, which include the uh, evaluation that was done uh, for the defense uh, for Amber Heard by uh, Dr. Don Hughes. And she went up on stand and she had uh, performed a comprehensive uh, battery of tests. Oh my gosh, I just realized how bad that sounds. But that's what we call it, battery, which is just a, um, a uh, you know, a, a bunch of tests. <laughs> I should just say a bunch of tests that she did. Uh, and you know, with with all of the 29 hours that she spent with Amber Heard. And then I'm going to go a little bit into Amber Heard's testimony on both days, but I don't want to focus on a lot of that because I think a lot of people were probably triggered by it. It was really super emotionally intense. And I don't want to focus on that, but more like we are going to have a week off of this trial. We're not going to have to look at it, listen to it, or think about it, hopefully. And we can have a a chance to do some self-care. And I'm going to help you with some tips, tools, and techniques uh, to be able to do that. That's my goal for today. Oh, my goodness. So thank you, my faithful moderator. My husband, Tim Stacy, is in the audience, and he is helping me through this. Uh, You know, it's not easy to be married. And we have been married now for, well, since 1999. I think it's uh, 22 years now. We've been together for like 27 years. And, uh, you know, we've gone around a couple of times, like most married couples have, and I'll have him come on if he wants to. I see see him in the in the stream yard. And if he nods his head, uh, if I ask him, and that's part of what it is being a married couple, right? Like it's consent. It's like, Hey, are you, (laughs) he's shaking his head. No, right now. Yeah. So he's not ready. Oh my gosh. But yeah, if, if he comes on, he comes on. If not, then not, Uh, I'm not going to make him do anything that's beyond his comfort zone. So where do we begin with this? Oh my gosh. Okay. So, 
Uh, I have still been on LawTube, which is a YouTube in the uh, law, you know, so they, what they do is they stream, you know, like uh, Sky, Sky News or, uh, you know, Law and Crime Network, they stream all that stuff. And these lawyers, who some of whom have not even spent a day in the courtroom, you know, they've just gotten their JDs, and they have gotten educated in law, and they've done other things in law, but some of them have. So, I find it really interesting to uh, to hear their perspectives. A lot of them are very much skewed against Amber. And so what I had to actually end up doing this week was uh, turning off some of the commentary and just focusing on what I saw in the courtroom. And so what I saw, oh my goodness, this was such an intense week for me. It was an intense week for me anyway, because here I am three days a week working with clients and also trying to keep this in my head because it's so important to be able to talk about domestic abuse and abuse in general. I really feel probably more strongly than ever against abuse. And you know what? I've done it. I've done verbal abuse. Uh, I've done physical abuse. And, and I'm not proud of it. But it needs to be recognized and it needs to be handled, right? It needs to be handled. Most of my physical abuse, fortunately, has been toward myself, um, which I'm not proud of. But, you know, I put myself out there for people to just understand that sometimes abuse comes in the form of self-harm right? And uh, having anorexia nervosa is one of the ways that you can harm yourself and hurt yourself. And so, all right. So let's talk about Dr. Don Hughes, shall we? Let's see. All right. So my gosh. Uh, So we talked about Shannon Curry, the doctor who administered the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. We talked about that on the last podcast, and she just did that one test, and I believe maybe an interview personally with with Amber Heard. And, you know, I, I just got to thinking, like, what is it that we have to do to diagnose Amber Heard? Like, why is that so important? Well, I think it's important because uh, Amber has made it a deal. (laughs) She wrote the op-ed and then she sort of made her mental health a thing. And so now it's being explored. Um, So so this psychologist, uh, she did 29 hours of work, which involved 12 assessments and four meetings with Amber uh, on in person and in Zoom. She also did what Dr. Curry didn't do, which is reviewing the notes from Amber's previous psychotherapists and also had conversations with them, which is what professionals do. We like to be able to collaborate and say, what's your impression of this? Because you're the one who's been working with her for X number of years, right? And these were dating back to 2019. So she started doing this investigation back in 2019. And she reviewed Dr. Curry's report on the MMPI. So she was pretty thorough. 
you know, so here's here's what the MMPI actually revealed, the Minnesota, the one that was done by Dr. Curry. Is she so a Dr. Hughes, who is the expert witness for the defense Amber's team, she actually looked at the MMPI and she said that it was all within normal limits, except for one scale was elevated. She didn't say which one, but if you actually listen to my last um, podcast, you will find that I was also within all normal limits and there was one elevated scale of paranoia. And, uh, and so it can be explained and uh, actually acknowledged. And, and I really appreciate that Dr. Hughes was able to say that. So the other thing that Dr. Hughes said that I thought was interesting is that you don't just get to have a personality disorder because there is a specification that you cannot diagnose a personality disorder if not otherwise better explained by any other mental health disorder. And so what she was trying to do in her research, which I really agree with her research and her methodology, was to be able to find out whether or not personality disorder exists, or if there was any other underlying mental health condition that exists in, in this process. So she actually did a lot of testing and interviewing. She also did the collateral interviews, which I thought were interesting. I guess I'll, I can go into that a little bit now. Uh, she did not interview Amber's sister, who was right there within the, um, you know, this, all of the, the drama. She was living right in one of those penthouses, right? And she did not interview Amber's best friend, Rocky, at least that I know, because she's done with her testimony and she didn't say that she interviewed her. So I would have to say that she didn't interview her as part of a collateral. She also, with, with the self-reporting inventory of uh, domestic violence, she had Amber report on her own experiences of domestic violence. And she also had Amber report on Johnny's. So these tests work in an interesting way. If I'm the person taking the test, I'm going to be saying, here's what I did to abuse. And here's what happened to me when I was abused. And it gives Johnny's perspective and Amber's perspective, but it's all from Amber, right? I think that they should have had Johnny fill out that same form. Like, here's from my perspective what happened. And here's what happened, you know, for, for me when I was the abuser. And here's what happened to me when I was the abused. And to see if we can piece that together. But that that wasn't done, right? So, so here's a Dr. Hughes trying to figure out all this stuff, looking at all of these therapy notes, having these conversations with mental health counselors who have treated Amber Heard for years, having conversations with collaterals, and uh, that's, that's uh, her mother and uh, her, her treating psychotherapists. And so she's really doing a really thorough job. I was really super stoked about that piece. Right. And then also being careful to say that you don't just get to have a personality disorder. It's got to be better explained by some uh, if it's not better explained by some other uh, disorder in the DSM-5, then we can look at personality disorder. Right. 
And the thing is, is that I also am thinking like why they didn't assess for substance abuse, because there was clearly that going on with them. And why wasn't that part of the differential diagnosis? And why was that not a factor in considering domestic violence and some of the things that can happen when you're under the influence versus when you're not under the influence, right? Well, so not surprisingly, uh, Dr. Don Hughes, who's on the side of Amber Heard, uh, well, actually, she was hired for $500 an hour to do these assessments. If you do the quick math, I don't know, maybe Timmy can do that and put it in chat. So she worked for 29 hours and she uh, earned $500 an hour. Uh, I have a degree in accounting, but I love the calculator. And right now I can't do that. So maybe Timmy can do the quick math and put it in the chat about what totally Dr. Don Hughes was paid. But you know, the thing is, is that here's Dr. Don Hughes testifying on behalf of Amber Heard, on, on behalf of the defense, right? And of course, people were predicting, oh, she's going to refute the personality disorder that Dr. Curry had diagnosed her with. And she is going to diagnose her with PTSD. And guess what? That happened. Yeah. And then she went further to say, and this is where I start to take a little bit of an issue with Dr. Hughes, is that she started to say that the um, the intimate partner violence was actually caused by uh, Johnny Depp. And she, the language she used, you guys, I don't want to go into it all, but the language that she used was not like, according to Amber Heard's self-report, blah, blah, blah happened. Yeah, she didn't do that. Uh, she was very, so a lot of people are saying she's biased, uh, but uh, what I'm seeing here is that she was not careful to be objective, if you know what I mean. She could have said, according to Amber's self-report, this happened with Johnny, but she didn't. She said, she was a victim of this. She was a victim of that. Also, Dr. Hughes was saying that obviously Amber was the victim and Johnny was the perpetrator. Dr. Hughes doesn't know. She wasn't there. Obviously, I'm very passionate about this stuff. So I really, I really took issue about that. I'm not going to say that she was biased, but you know what? When you're earning 500 bucks an hour and you're paid to have a testimony that is in favor of the person that you're representing, oh my gosh, so many thoughts about this. What it does to our profession, our psychology profession, like are we willing to be sold out? Are we willing to sacrifice our ethics? You know, Johnny Depp can sue. Dr. Don Hughes for saying some of the things that she said on the stand. He could actually sue the licensure board in New York where she practices. And he might, <laughs> he might, he might be able to take her license away for some of the things that she said, because she has no basis in saying some of that stuff. I like the way that her that her methodology worked. I like that she was so thorough, but when she presented on the stand, she was emotional and obviously 
she was saying she was the victim and he was the persecutor instead of this was the report. These were the facts. I actually liked Dr. Curry's presentation so much better uh, than Dr. Hughes because of the fact that uh, Dr. Curry remains so objective. Uh, I don't like the MMPI as a sole measure of a person's psychopathology or personality disorder, but I do appreciate Dr. Curry's presentation of that objectivity, while Dr. Hughes, you can even tell in her voice that she was really getting emotionally upset. So, and the other thing that came up for me is that how do we actually know that if, if, if Amber is actually diagnosed with PTSD, was it because of Johnny Depp? right? Because Amber had actually reported childhood uh, trauma. And so who knows if that was there, and then it was just reactivated or re-traumatized uh, by Johnny and the things that happened with the parallels, like the substance abuse and, and maybe um, some verbal abuse or whatever. Maybe those same themes were present when she was a child, and then now she is an adult and in a relationship with somebody, and so her PTSD could have been uh, reactivated. And, you know, and this just brings up another concern of mine is that you know, she looked very, very put together when Johnny Depp was doing his testimony and when all of those witnesses were testifying on um, behalf of the prosecution. I, get, I, I don't know if it's prosecution and defense in civil suits, but that's what I'm using here. Excuse me, I'm not a legal person. But when Johnny Depp's team was presenting, she looked completely put together. She didn't she didn't look like she was going through any kind of trauma. Uh, and, and I would think uh, that recounting those situations and especially even hearing Johnny's voice, if she had been abused by Johnny, then she would have, there would have been some sweating maybe, or maybe you could see her taking a deep breath or, you know, using some skills, but you know, I don't know. I didn't see any of that happening during his testimony. And then she, she got on the stand and she was completely emotional. So I don't know what is going on there. Uh, so anyway, I don't know that Johnny Depp was the sole reason for, for any of, of any trauma if there was in, in fact a PTSD. Um, so, and then there was this statement that Amber's PTSD was activated because Johnny Depp's lawyer stated that Amber claim, cl all, all of Amber's claims were a hoax. And I really find this hard to believe. And the reason why is because there were so many more triggers that could have, like, I went into a bar and I saw a bottle of Maker's Mark and it reminded me of the time that, you know, he used Maker's Mark uh, to, you know, violate me. And, you know, those sorts of things are more prevalent with PTSD than like somebody claiming that, you know, you have your, your claims are a hoax, right? Or testifying in, in, in England, like maybe hearing John, Johnny's voice or, or anything. I just really think that was just sort of a, a weak, a weak defense there. 
Um, and so I also uh, disagreed. Uh, I think I told you about this earlier about Dr. Hughes referring to him as the abuser and her as the victim. The correct thing would be to say that they were both abused and they were both victimized and to be able to say that they both had equal blame in this. But of course, if you're being paid by the prosecution or the defense, you're going to try and look, make make either the prosecution or the defense look better, which again, it gets under it's like a little bee in my bonnet. It gets under my skin because it makes mental health counselors look like they will sell themselves out or they're shams, or they will say anything to, I don't know. I don't even know what the make money, I guess is what it is. And, and that absolutely gets under my skin because a lot of the reasons why mental health counselors go into the profession is because they really have a heart for helping people. And many times it's because they themselves have been broken people and they have had the benefit of counseling and psychotherapy and they know how valuable that help is. And so then they want to take what they've learned and bring it out into the world and help the world. And, and I just don't see that the public is getting a really good view of what the, I don't know, the heart of mental health counseling is. So there is another thing that I had uh, uh, a disagreement with, uh, with Dr. Hughes, uh, was that, you know, so a, a person in a smaller body versus a person in a larger body, they can do, uh, so the, the smaller bodied person can be hurt more and the larger body person can do more damage, right? That was that was one of the points that she brought up and that Johnny was a certain size and Amber is a certain size smaller. And, you know, I have to disagree with that. I have a cat who is over 10 years old. He's 15 pounds of almost pure muscle. And I think that if he got mad enough at me, I mean, he could probably do a lot of damage to me. Now, fortunately, he doesn't. <laughs> but that's my point. How many of you out there own animals? And if that animal went rogue on you, that animal could do some damage, right? It doesn't matter the size, shape, or weight of a person. Everybody can do damage to anybody else. So I disagree with that. Boy, I am passionate today. Wow. Okay. So another thing I really didn't like, and this is on Dr. Hughes's side, is that she had all of these tests that she administrated and all of these things that she had done. And she had some notes because all of this stuff had to be kept clear in her head. But apparently there's something with the law and, it, you know, maybe if my mom's listening, she can chime in as far as like why they wouldn't want Amber Heard to actually, or, sorry, uh, Dr. Hughes to read exactly from her notes versus if she can look at her notes, glance at her notes and then put a little presentation. But they were really getting on her about notes. And I was like, huh, what is I would need notes to keep all that together. I'd need at least an outline or something, but they had a big issue with her referring to her notes. And I strongly disagree because you don't want to get your facts wrong in cases like this when there's so much on the line. And 
I really don't get it. If, if somebody can explain that to me, I would love that because I don't get why it is not. You can look at the notes, you can refer to the notes, but you can't read from the notes. Okay. So I look at my notes and I say, and I see that Amber scored a 70 on a certain scale of the MMPI. I can't actually say that. I, I would be really super confused. And I am so glad that I am not a forensic <laughs> psychotherapist. Just saying. All right. All right. So my, another issue I have is that we still don't have a diagnosis on Johnny. So I'm really curious if that's going to come out because a lot of time and effort has been spent on diagnosing and displaying Amber's diagnosis and nothing on Johnny and not even, he wasn't even given the chance to uh, contribute to the intimate partner violence survey. I don't even know what it was. There was like 12 of them, but, but one of them was this one where like, how have I been abused and how have I abused? And Johnny didn't have a chance as, as long, as far as I know, to, to complete that. I would really like that. Uh, I don't know if that's the CAPS-5 or whatever that, that is, but we still don't have a diagnosis. We do know though that Johnny has struggled with substance abuse. He's admitted that. So we probably could enter that in as a diagnosis. He's admitted it. But, uh, you know, in my experience, we need to get a person clean and sober before we can actually delve into the actual, if there's a personality disorder that's, uh, that's driving the use of substances, or if there's trauma, so it's PTSD, or if there's anxiety, depression, and he's using substances to cope, we really do need to get him clean from the substances and then get him assessed if we really want to have a clear picture. But what does that really matter anyway? Both of them probably had mental mental health conditions. And let's just be honest, most of us do, right? I, my, I myself have admitted that I've had uh, an eating disorder, anorexia nervosa, which I had when I was age 16. And then I relapsed when my, I was in graduate school, which was particularly embarrassing uh, to me. Um, but I got through them, right? And um, we, I've also been diagnosed with PTSD. And so, but I'm a functional human being, right? We use things to cope. Oh, all right. So I do think that a mental health diagnosis is, is necessary for Johnny. And yet, like, what's the point? They had, they had both had mental health conditions and the substances didn't make it any, any better, right? So as far as collaterals, collaterals are people who are in your inner circle, people who have a chance to observe your behavior. And so I'm kind of curious about why they didn't use Amber's best friend, Rocky, or her sister, Whitney, or even Johnny as a collateral. I guess I can see why they didn't use Johnny because he was the one that's bringing the lawsuit against her. But again, why wasn't he given the chance to fill out that uh, evaluation form about how he was either in both the abuser and the abused, right? I was really happy that they were in review of the counselor's notes 
uh, sorry, Dr. Dr. Hughes was, and they ruled out an eating disorder. Apparently, Amber had lost quite a bit of weight during uh, the course of her relationship with uh, Johnny Depp. She had, this is according to their notes, uh, she had been 130 pounds. I'm not sure of her height, and I am not a fan of the BMI, but uh, she had she had gone down to as low as 105 pounds, and I believe she's kind of a tall person, but anyway, a significant weight loss like that is something to evaluate an eating disorder with. And me being an eating disorder uh, professional and a specialist in that area, I probably would have evaluated her for one. And they have ruled that out. So I'm glad that they actually spent the time to rule that out. Uh, and so uh, the other thing about Dr. Hughes is, boy, she she seemed to have this sort of I don't know how to explain it. She seemed to be really super angry at Johnny. Uh, not super angry at Johnny. What am I trying to say here? She had some energy against, against the whole situation. She really seemed to believe that Amber's story was true. She had heard it and she was embellished in it versus being an impartial investigator, which that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to believe the testimony, but you're not supposed to be like, oh yeah, he's definitely the abuser and she is definitely the victim sort of thing. She didn't seem to be too impartial and that was a little bit disappointing for me. And then lastly on this topic here, is the law tubers. And oh my gosh, those chatters in these law tubers. They're like, oh, she's going to fail on cross-examination. She's looking at her notes. We'll get her angry on the cross-examination. Come on. Like, why are you like Critical K has said it the best, I think. It's like these peasants holding these torches, like wanting somebody to get burned, like burn you witches at the stake, you know, sort of thing. And I really see that going on and I really do not like it. All right. So on to Amber's testimony and its effects. First off, before I go there, I am going to take a small break to see if I have any chats. I do not. And that is not a surprise because not a whole lot of people chat with me. I do see there are four people in my chat, but not anybody is commenting. So, uh, so that's okay. Oh wait, I do have. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I do have some. Okay, so let's just let's just uh, address these chats uh, right here. So I've got one from somebody I don't know, a sentient being. I didn't know Amber was married to a woman named. Ta yes, she was Tasha. And apparently the story is that they were out in public and, uh, and Amber hit Tasha on the arm and grabbed her in public and a police officer arrested Amber for domestic violence. And so, yeah, so I think Amber describes herself as pansexual, I believe, or bisexual, but it, it seems more like pansexual, pansexual meaning that uh, it doesn't matter what gender you identify as, it is the energy of the person that you are, uh, you're attracted to, right? So, so she can be attracted to the energy of Don Johnny Depp, who identifies as male, and uh, Tasha, who identifies as female. Yeah. Timmy. 
at Calming the Chaos informed me as well. Ah, yes, she enjoyed both sexes, of course. Thank you for handling the chat for me, Timmy. Well, yeah, we, we don't know. We don't know if she prefers being with women or not. I, you know, and if you're a pansexual, again, it's that energy that you, you have toward another human being that it doesn't matter what gender they are, that you can express that, uh, that in a sexual way, in a loving way. And, uh, and that's okay. I have seen Scout before. Welcome to Calming the Chaos, Scout. She was emotional, invested instead of impartial. I, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. It was almost as if she was upset on Amber's behalf. Like, this happened to Amber. And it's like, no, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say, hey, um, according to Amber's self-report, this is what was happening. And, uh, and that's the, that's how you create that distance and that impartiality when you're testifying. You know, I, I was an auditor for the Department of Labor and Industries in the state of Washington for, for, for a couple of years. And then I've also been um, an expert witness for the Department of Health here in Washington state. And so I've had a, an opportunity to re review a lot of cases and you always have to keep that like, according to the evidence, this is what happened, but it could be, it could be that this ends in a he said, she said, and sometimes there's just not enough documentation to support any kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, any kind of uh, conviction or anything. But I have to say that uh, if I were Don Hughes, I would be worried that Johnny would uh, sue her and uh, maybe go after her license after some of the things that she said on, on trial. Awesome. People are talking to me. This is so cool. All right. Here's something again from Sentient Being. If Johnny Depp loses, does he need to pay Amber $110 million? Well, I think it's $100 million, But I heard today that if only one of the jurors, and Timmy, you might be able to, to uh, comment on this. If only one of the jurors goes against um, or finds Johnny that Johnny was responsible, then he loses. And, and I thought that was horribly unfair, but this is a civil trial. I'm not used to these things. And I am not, uh, again, a legal person, but that is what I heard is that there, they would only take one of the jurors to be able to just say like, no, Johnny doesn't have a case end of, and Amber gets the, the hundred million. So Wow. Um, if he were to pay her, but get his name back and everybody still loves him, maybe that would be worth the hundred million. Who knows? Uh, one of the things I really don't like is that we've got a series of twos, right? We've got two people. We've got two expert witnesses and we got two actors. We have got two expert witnesses who have different opinions, polarized polar opposite opinions. And then we've got two people, Amber and Johnny, who have two totally different stories. And we've got two actors. So what are we going to believe? At this point in time, my thumbnail says it all. 
I don't know what is going on. <laughs> and I'm not going to attempt to understand it uh, more than the mental health issues. Uh, and we'll let the legal people sort that out. And I will continue to check in on you guys in the future. But I, I do think that, um, oh, man, there's just so much to unpack with this. Yes, both of them take drugs with a flight attendant who is a woman on a flight to Russia. Remember that scene. So sentient being, thank you for uh, bringing that up because where is that flight attendant and why wasn't she called in to testify? And maybe she will. You know, Amber's still got some time left. She's used up more time on court. This is amazing to me because it seemed like Johnny's testimony just sort of droned on forever and ever. And she clipped along at a faster pace. But she's used up more, more of her time on the witness stand. And they have a limited amount of time that they can use on the witness stand. Uh, I do have those numbers. If anybody wants them, I would have to leave the camera to get them. But yeah, I, she could have that flight attendant testify. Absolutely. Scout, uh, their relationship was very toxic. I'm very surprised that family or friends did not intervene to help them, especially if there was physical abuse, but any abuse is wrong and unhealthy. There's a lot of shame in being abused. And sometimes it's like, I really hope it's going to go away. And, um, you know, even emotional abuse, it's like, oh, well, it, you know, it's just, it's just the drugs when Johnny gets clean and I'm not going to burden my family. Uh, but, you know, it, it is true. And so this brings me to this whole point about uh, domestic violence and how like a lot of my following started, you know, calming the chaos started with the true crime community, which has now kind of come, become the trauma community. Uh, and, you know, we've seen people die from domestic violence, right? We've seen people kill their families, and, and uh, so in cases like this, where you think like, my gosh, thank goodness that one of them didn't die is, is one of the thoughts that's, that's on my mind right now. So, okay. So Timmy comes in and says that civil cases are far different. Of course, you only need to prove that there is a more than 50% chance that this happened. I don't know why, where I heard that there was only like, if only one juror if it's not like a complete, like a hundred percent sort of a thing, then, then she wins by default. I, I don't know where I heard that. Maybe that's not correct. So 50% seems a lot more fair. Yeah. This, this brings up a lot of uh, OJ Simpson stuff, uh, Timmy and the whole Nicole Brown and everything that happened and how high profile it is. It's, it's really super, Super interesting how these parallel. Okay. How you guys doing? <laughs> I hope you're doing okay. Because Amber's testimony, oh my gosh. Whoever has seen it, uh, I, I just really, for me, myself, I had to take it in small bites. Because first off, she was being very, very graphic about her descriptions of what happened. And she was also being very emotional. And I know that emotions are contagious. Uh, I experience them the, my, myself and, and with my clients in my office. But oh my gosh, her story, if you've heard it, if it's true that that was actually happening to her, 
I would think she'd be re-traumatized by telling it in front of all these people. I have worked with people in my therapy office who have problems just telling their story. And yeah, she might be rehearsed. She, she could put on an actor's face and tell the story that was actually hers. And because she's an actress, she could get through it or she has good coping skills. But usually when people recall traumatic events like that, they start to show signs of shock which is gonna be like your cheeks are gonna get red or your breathing's gonna get more shallow. You're, you're gonna notice in the person's physiology, even you, you can notice some of the uh, pupil dilation, just any change in physiology, and I didn't see any of that. And if she's telling the story and not having a whole lot of change in physiology, I don't care about crying. You know, if she was crying or sniffling or whatever, I mean, I don't usually look for that because some people can train themselves not to cry but you can't get around any of the physiology. And, and I wasn't seeing it. Um, I wasn't seeing it from her. I wanted to believe her story. Uh, and yet I wasn't seeing the physiology present itself when she was telling her story. And so, but even if she, if it was true or if it wasn't true, we as viewers, we as people who are seeing her in the media, we could be traumatized by her story. Because we, as we hear it, we are experiencing it. And so we imagine what it's like to go through what she went through. And we um, imagine how scared she could have been. And if this thing is not true, she may have just vicariously traumatized a lot of people, millions of people. Thousands of people, I, I guess. I don't know how many people. I just know I go onto these law channels and there's like 28,000 people in these chats. So thousands, if not millions of people could be, re -tra could be traumatized by just hearing that story. So the law tubers are pretty much convinced that she's lying. There are thousands of them, just like I said. I, I did make it through the first day okay, but the second day I had to stop and I had to breathe and I had to take the, if you haven't seen it, um, the lunch break on the second day after the lunch break was the worst part. And so please be gentle with yourself if you are going to choose to listen to her testimony. The second part of the day on um, Thursday was the worst and it was really bad. In, in my opinion, it was really uh, awful what she described. So I am taking a breath and then I'm gonna go ahead and see if there's anything else in chat. Thank you for chatting. Thank you for being here, guys. <laughs> this is the most I've had in chat for a while. Of course. Personally, I am traumatized by her poor performance on the stand. Do tell. Yes. I wonder, is it a performance? Is it, is it something? I've often wondered, like, why would she, if she was actually a victim of PTSD, why she would want to counter sue? Why would she not have wanted to settle out of court some way? Because this, this is going to be uh, subjecting her or putting her at risk for re-traumatization. If she's really super guarded or um, what I like to say about jealous about your mental health, like wanting to keep it good, she wouldn't put herself through 
through this at all. So, <sighs> okay. Yeah, at what emotional expense to Amber, Johnny, and all these thousands of people watching, hearing all these stories of abuse in detail just breaks my heart. And I am going to be completely honest. I don't know what is going on. But since their stories are so drastically different from each other, one of them is lying big time. And we don't know who. I am really trying to remain objective, but truly it is hard to believe any of them, either of them now. It is hard for me. I would really not want to be a juror on, on this case. And if it is that one of them is drastically lying, or, you know, as we say, the truth lies somewhere in the middle, what would it be like to be a juror in this case? It would be, to me, a nightmare. And uh, another form of abuse came up for me this week is that that is the media abuse. <laughs> so I mentioned a bunch of them in my last uh, live stream, and now I'm mentioning another one, media abuse. So here's where we come into the part where we uh, think about what we can do. And so I'm going to give you a couple of skills and um, hopefully you can take take care of yourself uh, through all this. Uh, first, I want to do I do want to show the National Domestic Violence Hotline number in, in case you or somebody that you care about is uh, experiencing domestic abuse. You can uh, call that number 800-799-7233. And that's a 24-7 crisis hotline you can call for domestic abuse. They're, they can help you to safely navigate away from these situations. Uh, there's also the Nas National Institute of Mental Health, um, ways of coping with traumatic events. Uh, you can reach that. I'll also put that in the show notes uh, if I can get it together enough to do that. Uh, you, can, you can actually look at uh, some ways that you can cope with traumatic events. And I believe that if you experience somebody's trauma, vicariously, which that is a thing. We know this as mental health professionals that we experience vicarious, we experience trauma from our clients when they're telling us our stories, their stories, and we experience it. That is called vicarious traumatization and we have to take care of ourselves. So we really have to do really good self-care. All right. So the first thing I wanna say, take care of yourself. Here's some ways to do that. I would really like to um, just put that out there. Um, just one of the things is, uh, whoops, I'm gonna go ahead and remove that banner there. Okay, so <laughs> crisis survival. Remember what I was talking about with the physiology of a person when their cheeks start to get red or they start to have shallow breathing or whatever. Um, crisis survival is really super important. Like to just notice that, oh my gosh, I'm in, I'm in crisis mode. The tip skill, TIPP, is a skill from dialectical behavior therapy. And it helps you to be able to get grounded, get regulated, and uh, be helped to help yourself out of uh, some sort of a, a traumatic response that, that involves getting into the physical body. So you can regulate your temperature. 
use cold water or ice. And I would say that the general rule, it doesn't have to apply to everybody, uh, but the general rule is if you're in fight or flight, which is the activating emotions of shock, uh, you would want to use ice or something cool. And if you were in freeze mode, you would want to use something hot. Kind of makes sense, right? Uh, hot meaning like I got to heat up. I've got to actually, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm freezing. So I got to heat up. And fight or flight is I'm, I'm so activated. I'm, these are the hotter emotions. I got to cool down. So you can use temperature to, to regulate your traumatic experience. So if you're, if you do choose to, uh, if you do choose to, to listen uh, to the, uh, the Amber Heard testimony, and you start to realize that you are actually experiencing some kind of emotional uh, overload, then you can use uh, temperature. You can, if, if you start to notice that your, your emotions are going up, you can put a little ice pack on the back of your neck. You can drink something cold. Or if you notice that you're just kind of wanting to stare at a wall, you can drink a hot cup of tea. Or they have these things called belly buddies where you can put it in the microwave and you can heat it up and just kind of hold it to your core. There's all kinds of things that, that you can do uh, with that. So that's, that's a skill that you can be able to do. And... Then the other skill I wanted to say, this is a self-care skill, um, actually a crisis survival skill, sorry. Uh, Self-soothing with the sixth senses. Now I thought we only had five, but apparently we have six now. Um, six being the movement sense. Uh, this is taken from the Dialectical Behavior Therapy uh, Workbook for Adolescents. And the site is on the bottom and I'll also put that in the notes. But you can actually, so if you were in court and experiencing, like Amber was, right? She was in court and she was experiencing possibly some uh, some stress. She could use some vision. You know, she could uh, visualize something very pleasing. She could remember a song that she really likes. Uh, she could actually wear a scent on her neck where she can smell it. Like if, if, if she needs to calm down, she could put some lavender or some eucalyptus or something like that on her neck, whatever works for her. Smell is a really good, powerful way of grounding yourself when you're in crisis. Uh, taste. So I noticed that she was drinking some flavored water. So she may have been using taste to self-soothe. Uh, touch. Um, so touch is really a great thing because um, if you are a woman, you can, well, I guess you could as a man as well, um, you could wear a scarf that is fuzzy and warm, or um, I don't know if they allow you, what they allow you to bring into the courtroom, but some people have worry stones or fidgets, you know, you have these tactile things that you can actually touch and play around with. I know that Johnny was drawing quite a bit, and I think that was maybe using both vision and touch to self-soothe. But I, I would really encourage the people in the audience to start using some of these skills if you are going to be uh, watching the trial. Uh, because, you know, we want to take care of, of, of our physical bodies and our mental health while we are also learning about what's going on. And I'm learning a lot uh, about uh, about abuse, about violence. And um and, and really, um, at the same time, just showing a, a very great appreciation for the ability to be able to calm myself down in uh, times of crisis. 
And so those are the things you can do on the fly, right? Like if you all of a sudden notice, oh my gosh, my heart is beating, you can use one of those skills, the tip skills or the self-soothe with, with the six senses. Um, if you want to do preventative measures, I would strongly recommend that you develop a self-care plan. And this, this skill will teach you how to do that. It's called please. And I think one of the reasons why we call it please is because I have to beg my clients to do it. Please, please do this for yourself, right? So let's go over this really quickly. And you can, of course, pause uh, this screen. If you're on YouTube, you can see it or you can look it up. Uh, please DBT. It's an emotion regulation skill, and it will show, tell you, uh, first off, they take a little bit of liberties about using the acronyms. So PL stands for treating physical illness, take care of your body, seeing a doctor when necessary, and taking medications as prescribed. So that can mean anything as simple as taking a Tylenol when you have a headache, or keeping up on your vitamins, or whatever the regimen that you have, take care of physical illness. Uh, many people will just say, oh, it's a headache, it'll just go away. But you know, in the meantime, they're putting themselves at risk for having a lot of emotions that are gonna not serve them in the future. E is balanced eating. Uh, it says, don't eat too much or too little, stay away from foods that make you overly emotional. You know, and being an eating disorder person, I would have to say that balanced eating is a really good thing to keep in mind. Uh, and that intuitive eating and eating uh, when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, um, being able to avoid things like for me, uh, too much caffeine makes me overly emotional. And, uh, you know, too much alcohol makes me over uh, overly emotional. So there's a central nervous system stimulant and a central nervous system depressant that makes me overly emotional. And to be able to, uh, to be able to know the limits of that is good or just avoid it altogether. The A is avoid mood altering drugs. So I just sort of um, talked about that a little bit, but staying off of non-prescribed drugs such as marijuana, uh, other street drugs and alcohol. <laughs> so the fun story about this is that the developer of DBT, Marsha Linehan is uh, an avid wine drinker, right? So, I mean, so she uses wine and uh, I, I don't judge her because of course uh, the DBT way would be not to judge, but just to observe, right? Um, and so use with caution, use with uh, gentle care, and um, if at all possible, um, avoid using. So that's the A. So S is sleep. Oh my goodness, sleep. Try and get the amount of sleep that your body needs to stay rested and to be able to function and do what you need to do. If you need to develop a sleep hygiene program, that would be great. Uh, I love just being able to have a, a cool down ritual right before I go to bed. And, uh, and I think that if you have, uh, if you can pay some mindful attention to what your body needs, what your mind needs at the end of the day, when you're winding down, asking for help from your partner, as far as like support, this is what I need. Uh, I really do believe that sleep can improve. And then I could po possibly do another podcast about this, but, um, just if you wake up in the middle of the night, uh, practice lucid dreaming, it can rock your world. More on that later. And finally, 
The other E is getting exercise or what I like to try and call, um, uh, you know, movement with pleasure, right? Exercise seems to me to be sort of a punitive thing, but to be able to have like graceful movement, like movement that, that you actually enjoy, some sort of physical activity that you enjoy. And that's please. So I've just begged you to take care of yourself. So I'm going to also introduce you to another model here, just really briefly. And um, this was, gosh, I will get the reference to you because this is such an old handout. I cannot even remember where I got it from, but positive steps to well-being. This is such a good, these are su such good rules to live by. Be kind to yourself. Exercise regularly. Take up a hobby or learn a new skill. Have some fun, be creative, help others, relax, eat healthily, balance sleep, connect with others, beware of drink and drugs, see the bigger picture, and accepting it is as it is. It is what it is. Some people don't like what it is. Some people don't like not knowing the truth, right? But we really don't know what is the truth in the case of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. So that is the end of what I am going to present. I'm just going to take a quick look at chat again and we can wrap up. You know, it's so funny. Being a therapist, I seem to do everything on the therapeutic hour, which is like exactly 60 minutes. So hopefully I don't miss anything. If I do, please comment uh, and I will answer you in the comment section in YouTube. Where did we end? Oh, this is an interesting question. Do they take away the juror's phone? I hope they can secret secretly see YouTube. I wonder about that too. Like the judge always says, now don't, don't consume any media or whatever. And it's like, how can you not? Like if you have a phone, like my phone gives me notifications of news and you know, it's right there. So I don't know. I don't think they take it away. They just kind of trust that the jurors are going to be, you know, anyway. Always take care of yourself first. Right, the oxygen thing. Secure your oxygen mask first, and then you can help other people to secure their own oxygen masks or be safe. Right. Okay, so Scout is in New York. Oh, really? So you're not allowed to have any access to phones. Hmm, interesting. Somebody talked about Gone Girl. Yeah, they're 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 um, comparing Amber to Gone Girl. Thank you, Scout. I'm glad. I really am because these are the things that I teach in therapy sessions that I don't get a chance to actually do videos about, and it's so much easier doing a live stream because of the fact that I don't have to edit it afterwards, and you guys get the benefit of some of the skills that we teach in therapy. So kind of like a free therapy session. And sentient, you you are so welcome. Okay, yep, sugar. That's right, sugar and caffeine. 
are not good. I mean, for some people's systems, right? I mean, uh, you, you're going to have to, one of my uh, nutritionist buddies and I had a podcast interview and she talked about the, the, when you, when you up your sugar, it's going to be equally down later. So uh, it's always nice to be able to allow yourself a bit of sugar because then the drop won't be as, uh, as drastic, right? Uh, so whatever you can handle up, understand that it's going to be probably an equal distance downward. I love my caffeine. Oh, and he does. He likes his coffee very strong. Um, kind of like a cup of mud. Uh, to say, oh, that's a good tip. Hugging. Hugging releases serotonin. Yeah. Timmy, was it this week that I asked you to get my stuffed animal, Mumphy, my little sheepdog uh, for me because I just didn't want to hold something? I think it was this week. <laughs> I think maybe it was because of the trial. I'm not sure. Yes, that is so true, Scout. There are so many just, they're not even just guided meditations, but what they do is they per, they play music that has binaural stimulation. So both sides of your brain get stimulated and it can actually help you to do lucid dreaming. I think during the summer, when I take an official break from podcasting interviews, which will be after I upload my last one uh, tomorrow, actually, uh, I'm gonna do some kind of fun stuff and talk about lucid dreaming and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But yes, we can, we can talk about uh, lucid dreaming and music and how it can help you to lucid dream. All right. Oh, animals. Yes. Hugging your dogs, petting your cats. Everything in moderation. Scout, you sound like you're really uh, insentient too. Both of you really sound like you're just so into uh, just taking care of yourself and knowing exactly what you, you need to do. I, if you have some time, um, Scout, uh, if you could tell us what kind of pup dogs you have. We have three cats. We have two tuxedos and one, the one that I mentioned earlier is a 15 pound uh, just bag of muscles. <laughs> And he is, he's getting older, but he is still very strong. And um, it, it's great uh, to be able to have him still. Uh, we have, <laughs> I'd like to say he's, he's the biggest in every way. He's the biggest in size. He's the biggest in how much money we've spent on him. He's the biggest in emotional uh, overload that we have had. He's the biggest voice. Uh, he's the biggest everything. Uh, and, and we love him. Yeah. What? Our cats are not familiar with moderation. <laughs> well, that's true. And it does have to do with, I think, possibly because like one of us is always home or both of us. So if I'm at work, Timmy's here. And if um, Timmy's gone, I'm here. So they always have a human around. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate everybody coming in today. Scout, if you want to leave your um, your pups, the, the kind of pups that you have, that's great. Oh, let's see if this is, this is it. Oh, that's sentient. Yeah. Well, I'm always interested in animals. Always interested. Ah, whoa, 115 pound male German Shepherd, Pepsi. Great name. And a 35 pound border. Oh my gosh, Beagle. So the Beagle's probably very, um, very 
vocal, Myla. Beautiful names. So our cats' names, our tuxi cats are Mana and Malia. They are Hawaiian names for those two little girls. And we've got Louie or Louis when he's being bad. Um, but Mana, Malia, and Louie are our pets' names. So Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today on Calming the Chaos. And uh, take good care of yourself so using the tips and tools and techniques in, uh, in what I've said before. And uh, thank God we have a break from the trial this next week. So do take good care and I'll see you on my next podcast. Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. If the information in this podcast has been helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, and on YouTube. You can also go to our podcast website at www.calmingthechaospodcast.com, where you can listen to all Calming the Chaos podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.